0: Well, I once committed Grand Theft Auto, It's actually Grand Theft Bicycle, when I was six years old. This is confession time, pouring out my soul to you, telling you that as a wee little six-year-old walking down the mall with my mother, I was disconnected from her. I, Slid my hand out of her hand as we were walking along, and sure she thought that I was right next to her, but I wasn't. She kept walking along, and I looked over and saw the most beautiful sight that my six-year-old eyes had ever seen. There, in front of the toy store, I had only seen it in magazines, but now saw it in person. It was a pink and white strawberry shortcake bike with streamers and a white basket on the front to carry whatever my six-year-old heart desired. I saw that my mother was going a little farther down the mall and I thought today is the day. And I jumped on that bike, wrapped my hands around those white grips, felt the pink streamers coming down the sides, looked one way, Looked the other and off I was and I pedaled down that mall as fast as my legs would take me I felt the air blowing through my six-year-old buzz cut and I was flying along and I took a turn and I saw the doors going out to freedom in the parking lot and as soon as I got to the doors there was a man standing there at the door and I sure enough thought he was going to say stop you can't come out here but no He did what any sensible adult would do when they see a six-year-old boy riding a girl's bike down the mall. He opened the door for me. So I could pedal right out into the parking lot. And I did. And I felt freedom. And I was going to ride to this place called Kings Island, which was the greatest place that I could ever imagine with roller coasters and bumper cars. And I would park my little bike outside. And everything in the world was aligned. And it was the greatest day I'd ever experienced until that policeman grabbed my handlebars and stopped me in my tracks and he said young man what are you doing i said i'm riding my bike what does it look like i'm doing and sure enough he scooped me up over one arm and the bike up over the other arm and he marched back into the mall office where my mom sat With that mad face that moms get. You know that mad face that moms get? Everybody know that face? Alright, we know that face. And she had that face. And she looked at me and I looked at her. And she was so mad for two reasons. One, because her son had just stolen a bike at the age of six. But two, because they thought that it was some kind of a scheme that we had created. And she told me to to drive the bike out into the parking lot. And they thought she was trying to steal. So for those two reasons, she was unbelievably mad at me. I was completely under the judgment of my mother. You know when you do something wrong and you're just waiting for your punishment? I mean, there's no, not many things that are worse than that. You don't know if it's going to be the electric chair. You don't know if you're going to be grounded for two years. You don't know if you're going to have your phone taken away, your video games taken away, or you can't hang out with your friends. I mean, that kind of feeling of being under judgment is pretty tough. And that's what we're going to read about in Matthew chapter 13. So let's go Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 24. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells all these parables about the kingdom. And so when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this, I think that's a pretty good opportunity to listen and learn a little bit about what's going on in the kingdom. And so, we saw that God created the world. And it's good. And He had a perfect relationship with man. And man had a perfect relationship with each other. All the people were living in harmony with each other and with God. But sin entered the world, fragmented that relationship. And so God made a promise to the serpent that there would be one who would come and crush his head. He promised Jesus who would come as a king to set up His kingdom. And remember, He made a promise to... Abram, And he said, I will make your descendants like that of the sands of the seashore. He said, through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then last night we saw that he made a promise to David. He said, I promise that through your seed there's going to come a king and he will establish his throne forever. And so there's this promise of the kingdom. And remember the kingdom is three things. It's God's what? And God's what? For God's what? That's right! You're learning! You're tracking with me! I'm so excited about that. You're taking notes, you're learning, you're paying attention, and that is good. And the kingdom of God is is what? It's already, but what? That's right! The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. And we're going to learn a whole lot about that in Matthew chapter 13 today. Verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat and along with them. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Does anybody have absolutely any idea what that means? Absolutely no idea, right? Sometimes you read those things in Scripture and you're like, I think I'm supposed to think this is good. But I have no idea what they mean. Has anyone ever been there before? I've thought that a lot of times before too, right? And so, this is a parable. And I, 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 like, I like the definition of parables. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I think that's easy to understand. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So if you have a pen, you're taking notes, and you're reading the parable, here's a few things that will help you understand parables. Okay? Because we don't just want to read Scripture, but we want to learn how to read Scripture as we're going along. It's a It's something that you have to learn. And so, first thing about interpreting parables, understanding parables is this. You have to look for things that are repeated. You have to look for things that are repeated. And so, sometimes in parables, a similar word comes up again and again and again and again. And so, when that happens, that's a good idea, if it's kosher with your mom and dad, to highlight in your Bible, to underline words, and to track along with what Jesus is saying. Second principle of interpreting parables is this. You have to look for what's first, and you have to look for what's last. A lot of times, what's at the beginning of a parable and what's at the end can be the key to understanding what Jesus is saying. Third, and this is important, let context determine meaning. Let context determine meaning. And the context is just what's going on around the verses that you're reading. So sometimes when you read something, you're like, I have no idea what that means. Read a little bit before it and see what's going on. And read a little bit after it and see what's going on there. And then you can understand what's going on in the Scriptures. I firmly believe with all of my heart that you as young people, as 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, can read the Word of God and understand it. It just takes a little bit of work and a little bit of fun. And so to understand this parable, you have to look at the context and fast forward a little bit to verse 36, and Jesus is going to tell us exactly what this parable means. So you don't give up. You keep reading on in the context and you see what's going on. Then He left the crowds and went into the house. And His disciples came to Him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Now, that makes me feel a little better. So these guys who were walking around with Jesus, these guys who smelled Jesus, right... I mean, they're so close to him, they smelled him. They saw everything that he did. Said, you said that thing about the weeds and whatever earlier, but I have no idea what that means. Tell us what that means. And so, at least we're in good company. He answered, the one who sows the seed, the good seed, is the son of man, Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And this is, a, this is a form of allegory, which means that there's different symbols in the story, there's different people that stand for different things, but it's not like that in every other parable. And so if you're reading the story of the prodigal son, you don't just say, well, the son is kind of like this, and the father's kind of like whatever, you just start making things up. There's been people who have done that, and that's not the way that we read Scripture. But here, in Matthew 13, Jesus is telling us what each person stands for, so you and I can understand what's going on. Fast forward to verse 47. Because this whole the kingdom of God is like thing is like a sandwich. There's one at the beginning one at the end that are kind of similar and the two in the middle are the same. It says in verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and what? Gnashing of teeth. So these two parables are telling us a couple of points about the kingdom of God. And I appreciate you sticking through with me because we've used some big words and we've explained a lot of things. Y'all have done a great job paying attention. And so I'm going to help us understand a couple of points that Jesus is trying to teach us here about the kingdom. The first point is this. Some people may appear to be a Christ follower, but they are not. Some people may appear to be a Christ follower, but they are not. And so as we're gathered here together as a, a camp, there are some people here who are Christ followers and some who are not. And so you can look at all of us and say, yes, they're the kingdom of God gathered together, but there's some people here who aren't really a follower of Christ. And here's why. Because some people, most people, all people do weird things when they feel the judgment of God. When you feel that you're guilty in your sin, when you feel that you're separated from God, when you feel that you've done something wrong, you'll do pretty much anything to try to get rid of that guilty feeling. And so that's why some people try to do good things to cover up for their bad things. Remember we talked about that last night. Some people try to blame shift. Some people try to downplay. Some people try to belittle their sin. People do odd things when they're under judgment. Of God, our son Malum is potty trained. I have a little brother or sister at home at potty training. Bless your heart. Alright, that's a wonderful time. Our son came home, he came home, came down the stairs the other day. He had a guilty, guilty look on his face. Just guilty as could be. He came down, he's a terrible liar. Awful liar, which as parents we love. So he looks at us and he's just trying not to cry. His face is all funny. Tears are welling up in his eyes. And I said, "Malin, is something wrong? And tears are streaming down his face. Malin, what happened? Nothing. No, really, buddy. What happened? Like, what happened, man? And so we put two and two together and knew it. He had probably peed instead. his bed. And so we go upstairs. We take him with us. We look at his bed, and he doesn't get a discipline for that. He's just trying to make it a teachable moment. But if you lie, that's another story. So we took his cover off, covers off his bed, and he's got this like radioactive protective cover over top of his mattress to protect it from all of his number one. And we were looking at it there together, and we said, Malin, what's that on your bed? He said, I don't know. <laughs> Malin, what's that on your bed? I put yellow water on it. <laughs> you liar! You're a liar! Why do you do this? Because he's under the judgment of mom and dad. And when you and I are under the judgment of mom and dad, and we feel the weight of that guilt, when we feel the weight of that guilt, we do odd things with that. Sometimes we hide it. Sometimes we cover it up. Sometimes we little it. But what happens a lot of times a lot of us just kind of act like we're Christ followers. Go to church. We kind of sing the song, maybe. We look at the screen. We do the deal. We close our eyes when other people pray. We go through all the motions. But you might not really be a Christ follower. If Jesus is your King, if you've repented of your sin and put all your faith and trust in Him, then you are a Christ follower. And if you're not it's a whole lot easier to act like you are than to actually become a Christ father. Point number two we get from this. The judgment of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. He says that there's going to come a day when He's going to gather up the wheat and He's going to gather up the weeds and He's going to put them together and there will be judgment. And on that day, He will separate the two. He says in the parable of the nets, they're going to gather the fish together and some are going to be good and some are going to be bad. And the good they're going to keep and the bad they're going to throw back into the water. And so every one of us, because we're sinners before God, God has every right to judge us because He created us. We belong to Him. We're going to face the judgment of God. And the only thing that's going to tell whether or not we live in eternity in heaven with God in His kingdom is it's whether or not we have put all of our faith and all of our hope and all of our trust in Jesus. And if you have not, the Bible says that you are under the judgment of God and your destination is hell. Now that's like serious stuff. I mean, people don't go around talking about this stuff all the time. But scripture talks about it. Clearly to you and I Not to scare us But because God loves us He shows us a way That can we may right With our Heavenly Father A lot of us feel the guilt And the weight of our sin But we don't know what to do with it. We were in the Philippines On a mission trip We were doing what most people do On mission trips You let the natives beat you at soccer And then you kick their tail at basketball Okay, and so If you go on a mission trip That's probably what you're going to do and so that's what we were doing they wore us out at soccer and then we were playing basketball and I went through the lane one time and uh, a lot of the Filipinos are not quite as tall as I am and so I kind of feel like I'm LeBron James there and so I'm going through the lane and i throw the ball off the backboard and catch it with one hand and slam it and when I slam it I kind of wrap my arms around that rim which by the way is only about seven feet tall. And when I do that, I realize that the back of the goal is not weighted down properly. And the next thing that I see is the bright blue blue sky. As my whole body rocks backward and I land with the entirety of my weight on my right wrist. And I feel a little something, and I hear a little something, And I get up, and my wrist is enormous. And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'll play the rest of the game. And I'm going around, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And these Filipino guys are scoring on me because I can't hardly move, and I can't hardly see because I'm crying because it hurts so bad. And so I sit down with the rest of the guys, and I say, I know I'm in the Philippines, but I gotta go to the doctor. And so we go to the doctor on a sidecar of a motorcycle. And we get to the hospital. And I have all this money with me because I don't know how much it's going to cost. I've never been to the doctor in the Philippines. Maybe you have, but I had none at time. And so I say, I need an x-ray. I think I broke my hand. And they look and they say, you need an x-ray. We think you broke your hand. And I say, thank you. And so, sure enough, I have that x-ray. And the doctor pops that, that x-ray up onto the light. He looks at it and he says, Huh. You broke your hand. And I'm like, thank you for that. I said, what are you going to do for it? He said, mm, let me see. And so he goes and grabs a National Geographic magazine, and he folds it in half, and he puts it on my wrist like this, wraps it in ace bandage, and says, you'll be better in six weeks. And I'm standing there with this thing on my hand like, is this a joke? Is this a joke? No, you'll be better in six weeks. Sure enough, I paid my $8 for my x-ray. Walked down the door, six weeks, I was better. Now, here's the thing. That x-ray had absolutely no power to heal my hand. But it only had power to show me what was wrong with my body. In the same way... When we think about the laws of God, you should not steal, you should not lie, you should not covet, you should not lust, you should not gossip. If you think about all the laws and all the rules and all the things that God shows us, He does not give us His rules, He does not give us our, His laws in order to heal us. He only gives us His rules and laws in order to show us our Problem in order to show us that we are under the judgment of God. But he then gives us the gospel of Jesus Christ to save us from our sin. And We put all of our faith and all of our hope and all of our trust in Jesus and throw ourselves on him and upon his beauty and upon his goodness and upon his kindness. We become a part of the kingdom of God that is good. And that is good. So today, are you still under the judgment of God? Have you put all of your faith and hope and trust in Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions? Have you made your decision to put all your hope and trust in Christ? Are you just going along with wherever your parents take you? Have you seen how good Jesus is and cling to him with everything that you have. Or are you just kind of doing things? Are you trying to cover up the bad that you do? Even though you know what you do is wrong, you feel like you're under the judgment of God. <laughs> hey, everybody, put your stuff down. And uh, look will go back. We'll say a couple things to you. In the book. All right, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is at times like the wind, when the wind blows where it goes. And sometimes God works through the Spirit in certain ways that He doesn't work in other ways so you have an unbelievable opportunity while you're here at camp to hear the Word of God taught to be separated from a lot of the normal activities that you do. You have an opportunity to be around these godly leaders who love you and care about you a lot. You have the opportunity to sing praise songs to the Lord and hear the Word of God and pray together and spend time with great Christian friends. And God may choose to work in a great way in your heart this week that He may not choose to work at another time. And so what that tells you what that tells me is we need to make the absolute most of the time that we have here. And so if the Lord's working in your heart, if you're thinking about the judgment of God, if you're thinking about your own sin, if you have questions about Jesus, if you just... Don't know whether or not you're really a Christ follower or not. This is the week. This is the day. This is the time to get things right. And so, in a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're not going to do a look up, come forward, anything like that. These leaders will be here, and they'd love to talk with you about anything at all the Lord is doing in your heart. We'll also, have another time tonight to respond, but you don't pass up the opportunity to make the most of what God is doing in your heart. Okay? Okay? Am right with that? We make the most of this opportunity. We make the most of it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we lift you up as our great and awesome God. Father, we thank you for your word and how you speak to us and you show us who we really are and how life really is. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would work through your spirit in a great way in these students' hearts to stir them to understand Your judgment so they might understand just how good You are to us. I pray that they make the decisions that they need to make. In Jesus' name.